back to another episode of your favorite podcast, loudest podcast on the internet. The last podcast on the internet is the only one that gaslights you back. Babe, <laughs> babe, are you sure this week's episode is late? I'm pretty sure they always came out this late. I think you're remembering wrong. It might not be late. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how things go. My name's Saranda, and I'm here to say that I'm on a diet and my life is shit. <laughs> Yo, you are at war with food. I've never seen anything like this. Oh, yeah. No, I am at fucking war with carbohydrates and food like yesterday i ate three ounces of rotisserie chicken and then i had a sandwich made out of three ounces of rotisserie chicken and cucumbers and that was it besides copious amounts of water and diet coke but let me tell you stereos now audience oh i also went to the gym burned 300 calories now audience i know what you're thinking saranta how do you satiate your animalistic desire to consume things when eating this little and lo- trying to lose weight because I'm going on a cruise in January. Mm. Did I tell them that? Tell them whatever you want. It's going to be it's going to be so much fun. We're going to the Bahamas. My friends invited me. I'm very excited. But um, I've been watching. There's this whole genre of YouTube videos, stereos, and this is going to make me sound like a fucking psychopath because I know this literally is a Seinfeld episode. But there's an entire genre of YouTube videos called Ten Thousand Calorie Challenge. Which is just skinny blonde women fucking housing <laughs> insane amounts of pizza and food, fast food and burgers. And I just sit there and I watch it and I'm like imagining what it tastes like. When I was in college, the mukbang thing was just, you know what a mukbang is, right? Yeah. It's where you just sit and you eat. And if you're a lonely uh, Japanese business person, you pretend that there's a cute girl eating rice cakes with you. That's who those were for? Originally, yeah. It was South Korean. It started in South Korea. But um, it started gaining popularity when I was in college. And I remember thinking, oh, what the fuck? Who the fuck would watch this? This is dumb. This is just somebody sitting around watching food. But let me tell you, Asterios, they have that market cornered every inch of it covered. Whatever I'm craving, I can look up food, name of food, Mukbang, no talking. <laughs> Sit there and watch somebody with their microphone clipped to their throat eating my favorite foods. And it, let me tell you, anything you want, you could find. I was craving pierogies the other night. I watched someone eat like 45 fucking pierogies. You sound unusually insane. Yeah, no, I do. Like, th- like look, we're used to a typical level of crazy sriracha. You... One day I just saw you and all you ate was a cucumber. Yeah, it was great. For the whole day. It was awesome. You have to eat something. You're going to hurt yourself. People tell me that. They're like, oh, Zuranja, you're going to go into starvation mode. Uh, okay, here's my, uh, my. you know how we people are allowed to have mystical beliefs. Like some people believe in God, but there's no no basis for that. Some people believe they were putting on this planet for a specific purpose. No basis for that. I don't believe in starvation mode. Okay, well, uh, no one brought up starvation mode. I'm just saying it's probably not a good idea to only eat a cucumber day. Your body's not getting nutrients. You're not getting calories. Your teeth are going to fall out. You know, we had a whole decade called the 70s where like models didn't eat. And you see them now running around like crazy people getting cool sculpted and then having the cool sculpting fuck up their stomach. R.I.P. Linda Evangelista's tummy. Oh, my God. K-pop diets. Love the K-pop diets. Oh, you told me. Okay. (laughs) Tell people about the. All right. So. So I've just been watching this whole series of videos where it's like a celebrity doing like everything I eat in a day. And 
It's just entirely lies. It'll be like one of the Kardashians being like, I start out with a piece of pizza, then I have some wings, tortilla chips, bro. And it's like, no, 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 no. You watch your assistant eat that, and then you shoot them in the back of the head. <laughs> it's like a couple of them, whenever she said, the channel name is called Abby Sharp, and she does like all these very condescending videos about like, well, eating a cucumber all day wouldn't be something I'd recommend. But she reviews diets of celebrities, and at least like you said, a lot of the times they are fucking lies. Like, I don't believe for one goddamn second that Kylie Jenner eats in and out multiple times a week. Yeah, holy fuck. But then occasionally she'll stumble upon one that's honest. Like she saw this uh, uh, K-pop diet. The girl's like, I eat, yeah, sweet potato in the morning and then I have a bowl of rice for dinner and I also exercise for 13 hours a day. And, the, and she's like so a fish she's like oh my gosh you shouldn't this is terrible she is literally starving it's like yeah bitch skinny gang skinny legend well okay <laughs> that girl specifically also is like in the morning i take my diet pill and in the afternoon i take my diet pill like that k-pop girl all she eats in a day is a sweet potato and if she exercises for six hours, she's allowed to put a little bit of butter on it. And if she doesn't exercise for six hours, they beat her unmercifully. I watched this video. There's a whole compilation of K-pop stars passing out on stage. What? <laughs> they haven't eaten enough. Yeah, no, I was watching this documentary that like this girl was like, yeah, no, management would literally take our food away out of our bags. So we had to bribe like stage hands to bring us uh, slices of meat and then we'd cook them on our hair straighteners oh. so we could quickly eat it before management sucks. Now, which Korea is this in? Is the northern one or the southern one? Southern one. Because it sounds pretty northern. Lack of food, having to cook with unusual instruments, bribing guards. Um, I want to take us back to diet pills, though. Fucking diet pills. A thing that we, we kind of only had that in the 80s. We had like Dexatrim in the 80s. We had like people just eating a bunch of caffeine pills in the 80s. And then we all realized like, oh yeah, you'll die. Like if you only eat these diet pills, like you, you can't do it. Did South Korea just not get the memo? I guess not. I was looking up diet pills the other day to see if there were any that worked. And apparently, according to a nutritionist that I saw on YouTube.com, <laughs> you can lose weight if you take fenugreek supplements every fenugreek day. Yeah, because it like clots up in your stomach or something and makes you less hungry. Also, chia seed water. Apparently, when you drink it, it forms a gel in your tummy and your tummy's like, no food, please. We're full of chia seed gel. <laughs> Both of those sound stupid and like they don't actually work. The reason diet pills did work was that they were full of caffeine. And you can, when you drink, like caffeine acts as an appetite suppressant. Have these people not seen Requiem for a Dream? We had a whole movie about this. I sure as shit didn't. But I like how the nutritionist is like acting like flabbergasted that famous celebrities who are famous for being thin don't eat a fully balanced meal. It's like, yeah, bitch, we fucking know. And she gives you these condescending suggestions like, well, uh, if she wanted to eat a sweet potato, I would add maybe a side of grilled chicken with that and a salad. It's like, no, bitch. We don't care about nutrition. We want to be skinny. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Look, I have a nutritionist. She allows me to eat food. I have been losing weight pretty consistently. 
instead of going on YouTube and like listening to what the skinniest person you can find says, why don't you talk to my nutritionist? She's also very skinny. Because she's going to give me bullshit advice like, oh, you need to be eating at least 800 calories a day. You do need to be eating at least 800 calories a day. That's like what a baby eats. I don't. I sit on my ass and play Chinese parents all day. I am not living a very uh, physical lifestyle, Asterio. Sometimes I go to the gym and sometimes I walk to Starbucks, but that's like all of the exercise I get. I don't need more than like 500 calories. You need those calories calories in to continue to live to live to like have your heartbeat models in the 70s would die because they didn't get enough potassium and potassium is the chemical that tells your heart to go lit <laughs> it's not lit it's not you need to eat more than a cucumber it's like i don't know she's gonna give me some suggestions like oh eat a meal it's like, yes. that's kind of bullshit. Well, what do you think's going to happen? After, after all, first, fuck you. Can't we just pretend that I'm like intermittent fasting or something? Just pretend that I'm like fasting for a religion or some shit. Okay, well. Because I- now, now you can't say anything about it, right? You understand that those people break their fast, right? With that's- food. They eat a bunch of food. That's how they have the energy to fast. And only at night, right? Well, I drink lots of beer at night. <laughs> so- you do drink a lot of beer now. And you drink the uh, those uh, White Claws, too. I do. like love the claws. You don't eat during the day. And then you drink at night. So that way you get drunker faster. That's called economics. What if instead of getting your calories from... The claw. And I understand that there are no laws when you're drinking the claws. Exactly. But the laws of like nutrition and thermodynamics do still apply. What if instead of getting, uh, what if instead of uh, getting your calories from there, you got your calories from like grilled chicken, almonds, uh, vet steamed vegetables with a little bit of olive oil on them? You know, just for you, just for today, I will eat another sandwich and a cucumber salad. Okay. How about that? Tell me, and, and, Tell me what's on this sandwich. It's uh, Dave's bread uh-huh. on the bottom, and then I put a tablespoon of uh, low-fat mayonnaise on it. Okay. And then I take dill seasoning and sprinkle it on. It's really, really good with cucumbers, mm. audience. I know it sounds fucking psychotic, but it is really good. And then I put a little layer of shredded chicken, mm. and then I get my uh, English cucumber out, and I slice it very, very thinly, and I put that on top of the chicken. Then I take the other slice of bread, and I put mayonnaise on it and dill seasoning, and then I put it on top, and I cut it into triangles. <laughs> okay, I have to say that actually does sound pretty healthy and it sounds like it's full of nutrition it's got vegetables in there you got chicken in there you got a little bit of fat in there with mayonnaise the bread is a whole grain because it's dave's bread yeah Uh, all right maybe you're not doing as terribly as i thought because i'm telling you someday sometimes i see you when all you've eaten all day is a grape and you're really proud of it you're like i've had one grape today zip 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 start running around the room like a goddamn hunting hummingbird no my other meal that i eat regularly is that zucchini pasta Oh, I think that's good for you, Tell right? Tell me about this. Okay, so I buy this special type of pasta, insanely expensive, but it's the only type of pasta I've ever eaten that was like faux pasta that actually kind of tasted like pasta. Mm. It's called like Fiber Smart or something, mm. and it's got half the calories, like half of the bag is only 200 calories. 
but it's got a dick load of fiber in it so it makes you feel fuller and then I chop up an entire zucchini and I cook that in a little bit of that avocado oil we have in there and then I cook the noodles and I put some tomato sauce and if I'm feeling jazzy sometimes I'll put a tablespoon of heavy cream in there if I like haven't eaten all day and I feel like my brain is melting (laughs) that sounds like a meal again you know what I may be overreacting to your diet yeah sometimes that sounds like a meal wait what sometimes I do eat meals like not every day but I do eat meals sometimes what if you ate them every day then I get a fat fat fatty I don't think that's how it works keep eating fatty all right we got a lot of show today we saw Dune it's Dune oh my god it's Dune o'clock Welcome to Arrakis, my fellow Fremen. Asterius' favorite Frank Herbert novel that's not Dune 3 got turned into a movie. It's Dune 1, part 1. Also, today on the show, your new 90-day fiancé starting lineup. There are all new freaks. Can you tell who got to pick each section? (laughs) (laughs) And we will be introducing a brand new segment called Deepest Lore, where I will be taking you through the history of Halloween favorite, the Monster Mash. So we got a big show today. Big show, big show. All right, and we'll be right back after this with more of the Loudest Podcast. I was working in the It's the spooky season, and time for that graveyard smash hit everyone loves, the Monster Mash. But did you know that the story behind the Monster Mash has more Transylvania twists than a film by M. Night Shyamalan? On this edition of Deepest Lore, we take you through the history of the Monster Mash. It caught on in a flash. It's 1962 and Bobby Boris Pickett returns from the Korean War, forever changed. He saw things nobody should, witnessing his best friends cut down, bayoneted, or worse, turned to mash by the monstrous forces of North Korean Generalissimo Kim Il-sung. He returns to an America that refuses to honor his sacrifice. People spit on Pickett, calling him a baby killer, a ghoul, a werewolf, a Frankenstein. These words cut Pickett to the quick. To express his rage, he turns to the worst possible outlet, poetry. Here's a rare recording. It was a monster mash. I saw a graveyard smashed. My friends went up in a flash. It was a monster mash. But his poem gets an unexpected reaction from the audience. Instead of crying from sadness, the audience is crying from how horny they are. Pickett was performing at a nude poetry night, and his chiseled abs and massive dumper win the attention of legendary Hollywood superperv Bob Crane, who invites Pickett back to his apartment for an orgy. He meets Weird Al's dad, they fuck, and write the monster mash in an afternoon. We're going hopping. Originally released in 1962, the Monster Mash is the only song to crack the Billboard Top 10 on three separate occasions. It charted for two weeks in October of 1962, again in August of 1970, and a third time after Princess Diana died in 1997. And it seemed to me she lived her life like a monster at a mash. 
Her sad and sudden passing was a graveyard smash. It made me no more mashing in tracks, castle. And speaking of British tragedies, Ricky Gervais loves the Monster Mash. But interestingly, in 1962, the BBC banned the Monster Mash for being, quote, too morbid. To please British censors, Pickett removed the verse about Dracula crying while masturbating at his wife's grave, and the song became a graveyard smash hit on the UK charts. But speaking of hits, John F. Kennedy, struck down by a sniper's bullet on November 22nd, 1963, where a country saw nothing but darkness, Pickett saw opportunity, releasing this timely tune. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld a shocking sight. John F. Kennedy shot down dead. I'm glad he died. I hated that Kennedy guy. Though banned in Massachusetts, Pickett's hit, the Kennedy Mash, caught the attention of California Governor Richard Nixon, who used it as his campaign theme in his successful second presidential run. And the rest is history. God bless you, Vice President Bobby Boris Pickett, the best vice president ever. Now let's all do the Monster Mash, but quietly in remembrance for Bobby Boris Pickett, who died in 2007. It was a monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. Quieter. Welcome back to the last podcast. Uh, a question I get a lot from our listeners, from our actually from our concerned listeners. They go like, Stereos, it seems like you watch whatever the hell Sarantia tells you to. You watch her like garbage animes. You watch her like weird uh, videos where some guy named Nikocado Avocado shits himself on camera. Why don't you ever make Sriracha watch your stuff? Now that COVID's over, I am bringing her to the movies, kicking and screaming. Oh my God, torture. Like, yeah, you, you, whoever the one that made that comment that broke the camel's back, that you made me drag me to the, these fucking indie movie theaters, kill yourself. These movie theaters are small. They smell weird. The popcorn costs $11. The, the screens are no bigger than a typical big screen TV. They're full of old people, and I love them. I took Sriracha to go see the new Velvet Underground documentary, and I also took her to see Dennis Villeneuve's Dune. Dune. I think I like Dune definitely better. I had a very hard time following that documentary. The, that Velvet Underground documentary? Yeah. You don't like music that sounds like garbage made by crazy people who want to kill each other? I couldn't even tell who was in the band. They did a very poor job of explaining who was in the band, but I guess there was some prerequisite knowledge you had to have before you went to go see that documentary. This Velvet Underground documentary opens with just like a bunch of John Cale, like, uh, violin garbage. And they do a thing where they're like, oh, it's in stereo sound, so now his garbage violin's coming from the left. Now his garbage violin's mm. coming from the right. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I should not have brought Sriracha to this. I should have just come alone. There was this great preview for this Japanese movie called, like, Wheel of Fantasy and Fortune. And I was sitting there, and the whole time I was like, damn, I wish I was watching that. <laughs> <laughs> 
she had more fun watching the trailer for some Japanese movie than she did hearing about how like Andy Warhol got shot by Valerie Solanas and how Lou Reed punched his hand through a piece of glass when someone asked him to play a concert on a boat. <clears throat> that Velvet Underground documentary was I I loved it. I thought it was fantastic, but uh, definitely. It should not be anyone's first exposure to the Velvet Underground. Just like this Dune's movie should not be anyone's <laughs> first exposure to Dune. If you hadn't read the book like I did when I was a kid. Actually, I think I read Dune a couple of times. And uh, I also read the sequels. I really like Dune. But if you had not read the book, I don't know how you could have made any sense of this fucking movie. Yeah, no, I had a very hard time following. Like, of course, I understood the gist of the plot of what was going on. But I had a very hard time understanding, like, the specifics of the powers like that they have because they have shields and special powers and we got out of the movie and I'm thinking wow that fucking sucked and then you were like oh my god that was great and then the guy we were with was like oh my god that was fantastic and I was like well guess I'm a fucking idiot <laughs> I hated it I thought the movie was fantastic but just like when I saw the Watchmen movie I thought Watchmen was fantastic because they just kind of took the comic book and put it up on screen and I like that comic book but to anyone else watching that Watchmen movie or this Dune movie I'm just like yeah I'm sorry this is it. it's really a, it is a, it's a documentary this Dune movie is just a documentary of like what happened on the planet Arrakis between House of Trades and House Arconan and if you don't already know the story you're kind of fucked i mean but like yeah look clearly you know who the bad guys are because like the bad guys sound like this <laughs> yeah and they're bad and they bathe in oil <laughs> yeah yeah or the bad guys are screaming all the time like this and it's like yeah I, okay i'm pretty sure that this uh handsome bearded roguish king might be the good guy what did you think of uh little kid paul atreides played by uh, i forget his name timothy prince. chalamet yeah what did you think of that kid well uh, i sure do love seeing twinks in movies so i i like timothy chalamet i know nobody else does but uh i'm surprised that i did like his performance it was hard to follow like i said but that's not timothy chalamet's fault i think my favorite character was jason momoa who was it Duncan Idaho, the stupidest I fucking name. Think that was Dunk. I, I yes, he was Duncan Idaho because uh, what Josh Brolin was Gurney Halleck, who did no singing in the movie. <laughs> By the way, when I see Gurney Halleck, I want him to be like, "Oh, there were four men here, and there's five men there, and the Atreides will win in the morning." Yeah, that guy, that that was the guy, that was an aggressively Irish guy, right? They did a thing with Josh Brolin where they were like, uh, instead of singing these little songs, just like say the lyrics. There, there's like a scene where he's like inspecting his troops and, and, he'll, and he's like, give me 16 good men and a sword and that's all I need. Faith will be my shield. And it's like, you're supposed to be singing that shit. And it's like, oh, to toy, to toy, to toy. But that was the guy that after Jason Momoa went to just fucked off to the planet and didn't bring Timothy Chalamet, that was the guy who was training him, right? Yes. That man is the Brolin. most Irish looking motherfucker I've ever seen in my entire goddamn life. I was amazed he did not have an accent. I actually, for the first like 20 minutes of the movie, thought his name was Paul because they kept saying Paul. And I was like, oh, that must be the fucking leprechaun we have over here <laughs> i genuinely don't remember josh brawl's character being as aggressively irish we might have seen different movies no i mean he looked like an irish person he wasn't acting irish but i looked at him i was like damn that man is irish he was hot 
How about that? Can we agree that Josh Brolin looked hot? Yeah, he had that silver fox thing going on. Yeah. I did all the, there was like a lot of hot guys in this fucking movie. Like Jason Momoa, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, and then Timothy Chalamet, who looks like it, like a slight breeze would knock him down and kill him. He does. He's kind of a dick, too. Yeah. he's a. What did you think of like the fact that he was like a little brat in this goddamn movie? I mean, he was kind of a cunt at the beginning, and then he got a little less cunty towards the middle. But then at the end, he was kind of being a cunt to his mom who saved his fucking life. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I get that they were trying to do a little story thing where it's like, oh, now he's in charge. He's got the Duke's signet ring, and so he must start showing leadership. But it's like... Hey, you know, your mom's like a better fighter than you, and she's also got way better control of her magic powers than you. You want to listen to your mom like a little bit? Yeah, right. Like she's got the talky powers much better, which is another thing I don't totally understand. Okay. You didn't understand the Bene Gesserit's weirding way? Their use of the voice? The voice is basically the force, right? I mean, yeah, it's like... With the voice, you can command people to do things. I don't know why they had to make the voice sound so spooky. They're like, give me the box. It's weird. I get that you want to make a movie like sound like a special effect, but I think it probably would have been better if they had just said like, if like, if it was Rebecca Ferguson just going, take that knife and kill yourself. Like that kind of would have been better than like, murder yourself. What a rush. I, I I also had a little bit of trouble. Okay, so clearly this is a power that is passed down from women to women. Like, it's a matriarchal thing. But Jessica, who is Timothy Chalamet's mom, somehow manages to teach him the way of the scary voice. Yeah. So what's the deal there? Is that not like a genetic thing? Or is it just something you can do, but it's frowned upon? Well, I'm hoping that they don't super get into it. Because kind of like with the force, like once you explain that it's midichlorians, it loses its magic. Okay. But like what the Bene Gesserit do is they uh, kind of treat humans like you treat the Chinese people in your Chinese family game. <laughs> they just like start breeding pairs of humans for millennia. So like they find like the perfect people, they make them intermarry, they make them breed. Their kids have a little more magic power than those people fuck and those kids have a little more magic power. Oh, holy shit. So the goal is, so your stats stack from yes. generation to generation. Yes. Like in Chinese parents, I'm on generation, I think 46 Seven. Jesus Christ! Have you guys taken over China yet? What the fuck? <laughs> Not yet. I have still failed to get them to become a mathematician. And I can't figure fucking it out. I think I need to do something with the charm rating. But what? whatever, that's irrelevant. So... They stack from generation to generation. So this is basically like in Madoka where Hanukkah keeps going back in time and redoing it so Madoka doesn't die. But every time she does that, she adds a little more power. Then Madoka becomes like the world ending God thing. If saying yes will get you to like Dune, then yes, it's exactly like Madoka Magica. There's a mean cat, and she's also the leader of the Bene Gesserit. And uh, these witches, also known as the Emperor's Hand, the Sardukar, uh, are there to uh, to to ruin the world, uh, allow House Harkonnen and Baron Harkonnen and his evil nephew to take over uh, control of spice production on the planet Arrakis, a.k.a. Dune. That's all you had to say? Yeah, it's just like your anime. I mean, look, this movie is just like anime bullshit. It's like a bunch of like chipper go-getter good guys and bad guys that look like devils and demons. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, it was so much fun. 
watching Dune. It was so much fun seeing the ornithopters fly. I was like, oh shit, ornithopters. I remember those. So much fun watching them harvest the spice made by the great makers, aka the sandworms. Oh yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the sandworms. Is there a particular reason why they don't kill the sandworms? Yes, and they don't say it in the movie. Uh, There's a lot of things they don't say in this movie. I've never seen a more... uh, Look, I get that in this movie, it opens with like Dune Part 1. You know, usually if you're making a movie and you don't know that you're going to have a Part 2, you try to give like a little bit of an ending. You know what I mean? Like, Like, this movie just stops like they ran out of film. Like they just like ran out of movie. Like Timothy, like the fucking Dennis Villeneuve is gonna come out there at the end and be like, "Here's a GoFundMe to if you <laughs> pledge a bunch of money to this, we'll show you how Dune ends." Like there's no resolution at all. A bunch of characters just go walking off in one direction. The end. Like at least when they did that in the first. Uh, Lord of the Rings movie, I knew that there were two more in the can. Yeah, and let me tell you, they fucking better have had a second dude already in the can. They don't! Because let me tell you, there's barely any Zendaya in here. Yes, I know for all the fuck, like, the only time you see Zendaya is she's like in this dude's magic dreams and sometimes they're in these magic dreams and they're looking at a CGI rat and it's like, Weird, weird use of Zendaya. Right, like how much money did you piss away just to have her like staring wistfully into the camera? I feel like that's something you could have booked like when you make the second Moon Dune movie and then because clearly Zendaya has to be a main figure in the next one, right? Because she's getting like top billing on all this shit and she was in a cumulative about 20 minutes of this movie. Oh no, much less, much, much less. They're pushing Zendaya because they want girls to see Dune. They're like, hey, girls, you like Zendaya, right? Huh? You like Zendaya? It's the Zendaya movie, Zendaya in space. You didn't tell me why they didn't kill the worms yet. They don't kill the worms because these worms eat sand and poop out spice. And they also don't explain in the movie why spice is important. They just say, like, without spice, interstellar travel would be impossible. And so they're like, it's like, is this a fuel? No, it's not a fuel. You take spice and it allows astro navigators to see five seconds into the future so they can avoid black holes and other and other light speed interdictory uh, uh, gravity wells and forces. They don't explain it! So it's magic space cocaine. Yes! That's fucking lit. Why would they not explain that? Because they literally, like you said, the only thing they said is it's impossible uh, to travel through space without spice. And so obviously my brain immediately goes to, oh, this is a fuel source. or This is required to power these massive spaces. But no, it's magic space cocaine? Holy yeah, that's shit. That's the thing. What this movie needed was a scene where there's an astro-navigator who gets all zooted up on spice and then takes the Atreides family zipping through hyperspace. Then we could have seen, like, some cool hyperspace stuff. We could have seen this astro-navigator, like, crashing his ship into a black hole and then turning slightly left. And, like, you think everybody died, but he didn't because he saw five seconds of the future because he got zooted up on spice. That's awesome. Yeah, spice rules. I love spice. The spice must flow! And, in fact, that it comes out of the worms is really, really great. I wish they would have told me that. So I think the worms are kind of cute. I love the worms <laughs> in this movie. And unlike David Lynch's movie where the worms were vaginas with teeth, 
This time, the worms are buttholes with baleen. And, like, no matter how you slice it, they're creepy orifices. But, I'm, you know, I'm glad the worms kind of got an update for the modern generation. You kids love asses. Yeah, we do. Like the Zoomer thing. Yeah. The, the Zoomer thing is everybody loves eating ass. So this yeah. is a subliminal. Like, you know how they put Zendaya in here to get uh, girls? The butthole worms were put in there to get Zoomers to go see Doom. They, they did see Doom. Dune 2 just got announced like yesterday. Millions of people watched Dune on HBO Max. For, it made $40 million at the box office, which during a paramecium, that's humongous. Right. Like, I think that's the first movie I went to go see in the theater, not counting the Velvet Underground, because that's fucking stupid. I think that was the first movie I went to go see in the theater since the Panini started. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, that Velvet Underground movie, I'm in there. I like I just, I just forgot a mask. It's like I'm vaccinated. We're all vaccinated. Like it's not a big deal. Uh, but then I get into that Velvet Underground movie, and I'm looking around, and it's entirely people in their 80s and 90s who were clearly at Studio 54 <laughs> when Lou Reed was. Clearly, everyone in this downtown Manhattan movie theater fucked Andy Warhol in 1967. So I go out to the box office. I'm like, hey, uh, can I have a mask? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, and can I have? another one just so i don't kill grandma and grandpa and also can you just douse me in hand sanitizer <laughs> what did you think of us being because you're always complaining like i'm getting old i'm getting old even though like you will look like a fucking college student what did you think about being the youngest person in that velvet underground movie theater by 50 years uh, i was great i wish i could be watching a different movie i sat there i went out to the bathroom and i passed the wheel of fantasy and fortune playing in another theater i'm like oh, what would he notice if i just slipped in here for a little while did you do that because you disappeared for like 20 minutes no i did go just go to the bathroom but i did have to wait in line oh yeah because again old people right. old so but, but back to the great sandworms of dune uh here's the thing about that dune movie there's a lot of stuff in it that they should have cut like how shields and swords work so okay so in the books uh, people used to always blast each other with lasers. Like, they'd shoot each other with laser pistols. So they developed, like, personal shields so that, like, you couldn't just, like, shoot someone in the back. So that's why when, like, you hit someone with a sword too fast, it's blue. Because it's like, oh, it didn't break the shield. But the slow blade pierces the shield. Oh, is that why they're all stabbing each other? That's why they're stabbing each other because, and they establish this in the books, but not in the movie, if someone's wearing a shield and you shoot them with a laser pistol, it causes an atomic explosion that kills everyone. Oh, yeet. <laughs> so that's why in the future, like, it, like they, there's a neat thing in the books where, like, their technology is so advanced that they have to go back to swords. Because <laughs> if they don't use swords, everybody dies. I really like that. I wish they would have explained that better because that's kind of cool. Like, you loop around, like, if you establish democracy and democracy, or what's it called? A Civilization Five. Uh, Gandhi loops back around from an aggressiveness of like two to 999 or something. Yeah, and God just starts throwing around nukes left and right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, they don't explain that. They don't explain who the Bene Gesserit are, why they have magic powers. They don't explain why Duke Leto is not married to Jessica. And then at one point, Paul Atreides goes, you know, I'm, I could be the emperor. And it's like, what? Is that possible? Like, <laughs> did, now you're bringing this up? You want to be the emperor? Like... You're that fucking kid who's like yelling at his mom and like being rude to his dad because you don't get to go to Arrakis two weeks early. And now all of a sudden you're talking about being the emperor like this kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, is that allowed? I don't think that's allowed, I, Paul. I'm not sure if that's allowed. 
it's like, look, I get it with this kid, with this Timothy Chalamet kid. Young girls and boys who like boys, they don't want like a tough, muscle-bound dude. They want like some little brooding kind of twinky guy where if he gets too fresh, you could like put him in a headlock and like dunk his head under the toilet. That is what women find attractive. They want the safety of a guy who like, if there were ever a problem, you could uh, probably just tickle him until he stopped bothering you. And if you don't believe that that's true, look at each member of BTS. (laughs) (laughs) Are they all little Twinkie boys? Yeah. I thought they ate McDonald's nonstop. They made a meal out of them. Pretty fucking cruel to make them do that and then immediately throw it up. I like how when they made those commercials, they were like, they were like, all right, we're gonna have to shoot these chicken McNuggets on a green screen because if these BTS members get anywhere around food, they will go feral and start <laughs> and start tearing it to pieces. Um, so last thing I'm gonna ask you about uh, Dune because this was not super explained, like the rhythm. The whole thing where it's like they've got those thumpers that are going like thump, 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 and the lady's pounding her hands on the sand. Like, did you understand why they were like constantly doing drum and bass sessions in the desert? Is it because it attracts the sandworms? Yes! You did get this! Yeah, so there's a thing in these books where like, the worms love rhythm. They're like 1940s showgirls. Like, they've got rhythm. They love rhythm. Oh, that's so cute. I thought it was just the fact that if they heard noise on the top of the sand, they were like, oh, food. Well, I mean, they it's that too. But they also love rhythm. They love rhythm. <laughs> so there's this thing, and they talk about it in the movie. We're like, in order to avoid the worms, you have to do something called the sand walk. The sand walk. That's where you jump, right? From side to side. That's the time warp. Oh, I'm sorry. Show me the sand walk, please. (laughs) On Arrakis, there's a wiggler who loves to eat. To avoid his detection, you confuse your feet. You do the sand walk. You do the sand walk. It's the dumbest looking thing that you've ever seen and plays better in the books than it does on screen. You do the sand walk. You do the sand walk. You take one step forward, then one to the right, then another to the right, then stop for a while, then you go left, and then you stop, and then you wait, and then three quick steps stop, that's the sand walk. Oh, that's the sand walk. Now you're doing it. You're doing the sand walk. Careful, that big worm's gonna get you. <laughs> Are you confused? I was too when I saw the movie. They didn't explain a lot. Yow! Hoo-hoo! A lot of exposition in that movie. Oh boy, tell me more about the shields. Oh yeah. And that's how you do the sand walk. Wow, thank you, Asterios, for showing us the sand. That's the sand walk. It's a, I said sand walk like 50 times. The sand walk.
Everybody, $15 gets you access to the Sandwalk. You better see the Sandwalk. This is going to be the hot new TikTok viral sensation. You probably could get it to trend on TikTok in like an ironic meta humor way. God, I hope so. I need something. Well, speaking of things I need, I need to hear about these 90 Day Fiance couples. And when we come back, we're going to hear about your 2021 90 Day Fiance starting lineup. What's scarier than JoJo fans and the fact that they never shut the fuck up? It's this month's sticker of the month club. We got Lime Jinjo and Asterios Coconos says JoJo's. I think that's what they're called, JoJo's, right? I found out that we're both JoJo's. They're both JoJo's. This art is fantastic. Who made this? This is uh, made by Dylan from the Broskies. He's also known as Carophibian. Online, he is an incredible artist. He did our uh, Friday Night Funkin' sticker a couple of months ago with the newly celibate Nathan Masry. Yeah, and you know what's not celibate is this sticker. Wow, these two look like they fuck. Yeah, these are two big, beefy... We've got Daddy Asterios and then... I I don't know. It looks exactly like it's from this fucking cartoon. I don't know how Dylan did this, but this is like the coolest looking JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Art I've ever seen. And we know you JoJo fans will buy fucking anything, so if you want to get this month's Sticker of the Month, you got to head on over to patreon.com slash Asterios. $15 a month gets you subscribed to our Sticker Club, where you get a new sticker every single month, and they're all unique, and they're all special, and you can only get them through the Sticker Club. You can also access the $15 video version of the these episodes you can see my greasy unwashed hair and <laughs> you can see me doing the, the sand walk sand walk you only have until october 31st halloween to sign up and get this month's jojo sticker so you got to head on over to patreon.com slash stereos right now and jojo pose i guess <laughs> Welcome to your 90 day fiance lineup. It's time to bet on the outcomes of people who are just moving to America to get a green card. No, I don't think that's true in most cases. Hi, my name is Sarancha, and I'm here to say that we just released the brand new cast of 90 day fiance, not 90 day fiance, 90 day fiance. Before the 90 days. Do you oh, know what that is? okay. The, the, the prequel series. The prequel series. So 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days. That was the season that Ed and Rose were on. Oh. So most of the time when people are on 90 Day Fiance, they treat the 90 days as them deciding like if they want to get married or not, which is not what you're fucking supposed to do. You're supposed to do what the people on before the 90 days, you're supposed to fall in love Decide you want to get married and then apply for the green card. So this is a total fucking crapshoot. Whether or not these couples will stay together. Because most of the time in the 90 day series, they're like already there and they need their green card. So they have to get married. This one, total fucking crapshoot. I didn't know that about 90 Day Before the 90 Days. So it's like Survivor or fucking Avengers Endgame where like a lot of these couples are just going to disappear and you'll never see these people again? Yes, absolutely. I didn't. Wow. I didn't know there was like a darker 90 Day Fiance where it's like the suicide squad of relationships. So let me tell you, Sirius, the great thing about being a 90 Day Fiance fan as soon as one goes away Next one's loaded up. So TLC just released their list of the seven new couples on 90 Day before the 90 Days. And I feel like, uh, listeners, we, you, you, you could play along. But let's make bets. 
whether or not the couples, I will read you a description of the couple and you have to tell me if at the end of 90 day, before the 90 days, they are still together. Okay. And the winner, whoever gets the most right, what should we bet? Sushi. Sushi? Like an all-you-can-eat sushi buffet? Yeah, like the all-you-can-eat sushi buffet we both love. Okay, excellent. So I have this notebook here. This is a notebook that I use to record uh, how much money I've lost in the stock market. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I will keep it safe, and I'm going to go through the couples. I will read the description that TLC has given to us, and you will say whether or not you think they're going to last through, what, like 12 episodes? What are these series usually? I mean, let's say if they don't make it to 90 Day Fiance, I mean, because that's the big test. I mean, they could, but at the end of the series... I want to see if they are still in a relationship. That's good. Okay, so here we go. Couple number one. Kim, 50, from San Diego, California. And Usman, Soldier Boy, 32, from Sokoto, Nigeria. Do you know? remember Soldier Boy at all? No. Soldier Boy was the gentleman that was on his previous season of 90 Day Fiance, where he's dating baby girl Lisa. Tell people a little more. Now, I, I remember this now. Okay, so imagine... A headline about a woman from Florida. That's baby girl Lisa, and she's 52, and she is insanely mean and jealous. And she was dating this gentleman named Usman, who just wanted to be a Nigerian rap celebrity. And it was kind of implied that Usman only wanted to go to the United States so he could, like, boof, beef up his rap career. But at points, he does seem to, like, genuinely like her. But she's like, she made Usman, for example, stop, take a model out of his music video for his one song that they play over and over again on the show. Baby, I will rap you. I love you, baby girl, <laughs> He wrote for her. It's really good. Look up Usman. Soja boy, not soldier boy. Soja. <laughs> that seems like it's far too subtle a difference to make a dent in the marketplace. A year ago, 50-year-old divorcee Kim reached out to Nigerian musician Usman, a.k.a. Soja Boy, on social media as a fan of his music. But after months of calls, texts, and video chats, the two formed a connection, and Kim found herself head over heels in love, graduating from fan to potential girlfriend. Considering his divorce from another older American woman that he also met online, <laughs> Usman was hesitant has hesitations about committing to Kim until they meet in person. So he's invited her to Tanzania where he plans to shoot a music video. Kim is risking everything for love and heading to Tanzania in hopes that Usman will realize she is nothing like his ex-wife and decide to commit to taking their relationship to the next level. All right, Kim and Soja Boy, what do we think? Okay, to so Soja... Does Soja Boy already have an American green card? I mean, if he was married and divorced, right? No, because he didn't like make it. They got, I think it was one of those things where they got married in Nigeria. Oh. So they could apply for the green card and be like, see, we totally know each other. We got married. And then they were like, eh, nah. Okay. Well, look, the fact that he still needs this green card means that this couple will survive. This guy now has like years of being in the 90 day fiance trenches. He's got years of experience. He's going to know how to play nice for the cameras. He's going to do the whole like I'm a changed man thing. He's going to be like kissing her and hugging her and touching her on camera. Like he is going to make this look real. Uh, this 
lady clearly is already like in love with this dude so like she's not gonna say boo or complain about it. like she went after him yeah. you know like she knows she's going after like a social media influencer she's already seen what this guy's done to uh baby girl lisa so like she's got like her bib on and a knife and fork in hand and she is ready to eat some shit this couple goes all the way the coconuts lock of the week okay and i actually agree with you on that i do think they're going to make it to the end because Usman I will tell you they gave baby girl Lisa the villains edit in the season that they were on so I'm thinking that they're going to try to contrast Kim with baby girl Lisa and give her like the sympathetic edit because yes. people fucking hate baby girl Lisa I also predict that this couple will stay together we're giving him a yes for Asterios and a yes for Ranchasan let's get to our next potential married couple Caleb, 28, from Chandler, Arizona, and Alina, 27, from St. Petersburg, Russia. Caleb and Alina connected and developed a friendship on social media as teens, but they lost touch for 13 years until they serendipitously matched on a dating app when Caleb was trying to plan a trip to Alina's home country of Russia. I don't think you can do that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Those plans fell through, but their newly rekindled virtual friendship blossomed into something much deeper. Now they're finally ready to meet for the first time to see if their emotional connection is deep enough to overcome their physical differences. Alina is a little person and her condition prevents her from walking and standing for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. So she frequently uses a wheelchair, making free spirit Caleb wonder if he'll be able to adjust to her needs. Caleb also has to win over Alina's roommate and protective best friend, Elijah, who joins them on their introductory rendezvous in Turkey. She's fucking Eliza, right? Yes. This couple will absolutely survive. Give this the Asterios the Greek deadbolt of the week. This will survive because, you know, the the show is trying to create this, like, uh, kind of tension where it's like, ooh, is it... Is he going to mind, uh, you know, dating uh, someone who's different from him? And it's like, well, he knows that they're not, like, exactly the same. Like, they knew each other when they were kids. They've been video chatting. They've been uh, sending photos and emails and all that. So, some tells me that, like, TLC is trying to make the, the fact that, like, she's a little person, like, a bigger problem than it's going to end up being. See, and that is the exact reason why I disagree with you. I'm what? Right. No down here because, okay, so 90 Day has had this weird obsession with having a cuck storyline for a while now. Oh, I missed the cuckoldry angle. Like they're trying to get it going with uh, Ariella and Beanie this season, but it's just not happening. I predict that Alina is going to get the sympathetic edit. Caleb is going to be like, what do you mean you can't go rock climbing? You're in a wheelchair? (laughs) I didn't know that. And then she's going to end up fucking... Elijah, and that is what is going to cause the end of their relationship. I'm going to say no to Caleb and Alina. God damn. Okay, you know what? The cuck storyline always wins. I think you're going to win that one. Our next couple, Gino, 51, and Jasmine, 34, from Panama City, Panama. I don't think I've ever seen Panama on this show. Mm. Gino, a 51-year-old automotive engineer, is leading for Panama to meet the love of his life, Jasmine, a 34-year-old American literature teacher. Hmm. After divorcing his Brazilian wife of seven years, Gino began to lose hope of ever starting his own family until he met Jasmine on an international dating site and fell in love with her personality, brains, and beauty. He is hoping to propose and get Jasmine pregnant by the end of the trip so that he will have the family he's always wanted. Will Jasmine be 
the one that finally sweeps Gino off his feet? Or will her jealous side put a damper on their future together? This relationship is doomed. This relationship gets the Asterios Coconos headshot of the week. This is like the cannon fodder of relationships. Like these two are only in here so that one of the relationships dies. Like this guy wants to get her pregnant before they get married. Like this guy's like going there on a mission to like put a baby in this lady. Motherfucker's trying to speed run a family. (laughs) Any percentage. That's fucking weird. I don't think it's going to work. And I think that this 34-year-old girl is going to be brought back for another thing, like a second shot at love. Like, I don't know, a 34-year-old American literature major. She, I haven't seen a picture of her, but she sounds very pretty. I'm sure we'll see her again. Yeah, this Gino guy This Gino guy is like running into a... a it's like D-Day, and he's running, storming the beaches of Normandy. He's going to get hurt. Yeah, no, I'm also going to say no, because this is just fucking ridiculous. This is going to be a goddamn train wreck, isn't it? Like, you can't. He wants to go there, knock her up, and get married to her on a single fucking trip I mean I fucking hope that Jasmine has a little more self-respect than to agree to that and that he's and this guy also he he married a Brazilian woman and then divorced his Brazilian wife so clearly he was looking for something there that he didn't get and mm. I wonder if he thinks he can find it in Panama instead of Brazil well good luck to you buddy we'll never see or hear from you again what Latina pussy does to a motherfucker <laughs> okay let's go to our next couple Memphis 34, from Muskegon, Michigan, and Hamza, 28, from Cairo, and don't kill me, I cannot pronounce these towns, Tunisia. Memphis, a divorced single mom of two, met Hamza, a 28-year-old man from Tunisia, online eight months ago. Having an unstable childhood followed by a tumultuous dating history, Memphis has been searching for a consistent and reliable partner with whom to complete her family, and she found that in Hamza. After a few months of daily texts and video chats, Hamza proposed, and Memphis said yes, despite a significant language barrier and the skepticism of her friends and families. She is packing her bags and traveling to Tunisia with plans to get married on this trip. But does Memphis really know her fiancé? Well, we think it is serious about Memphis and wasn't it Hamza? I want to hear your take on this first. Um, I think this one is gonna work out, and I'm saying yes for no. Here's my logic, because I know everybody's gonna disagree with me. I think that Memphis is a master of making poor decisions. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like a poor fucking decision on multiple levels, right? Like it's a bad idea to get married to someone who you can't communicate with. Uh, it's a bad idea. To, and we've seen that in the past, like Devin and Jihoon, the ones that had to speak through a translation app, like they're splitsies. Their entire marriage is, is like through an iPhone translator app. I predict that this is going to be something like this, but Memphis seems like, I predict how this storyline is going to go, is it's going to start out with everybody in her life being like, you are a fucking idiot. You can't go over there and get married to a man that you met eight months ago and also does not speak your language and who also you need to fucking talk to through Babblefish over dinner and She's going to be like, fuck you. I need a dad for my kid. And then she's going to do it. Even no, though she's going to be like, fuck you. Love knows no boundaries. And she's going to be thinking, fuck you. I need a dad for my kid. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to, Ranch is going to vote yes on this one. What do you think, Asterios? I also vote yes for this one. This gets my Asterios Coconos incredibly strong bicycle lock, like one of those kryptonite <laughs> bicycle locks of the week. She needs a uh, dad for her baby. 
He needs a green card. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. And we've seen Tunisia on the show a couple times before. So, I mean, I'm not saying Tunisia is someplace you want to get out of, but it seems like it's on. It's appearing on the show more often than other types of countries. And also, I haven't seen pictures of these two. I'm going to assume that they're both hot. And like... Two young people being hot and being able to fuck each other a lot. Like, that could get... You could fill 90 days with that. Right. Dicking down knows no language barrier. Hamza is pretty attractive. Memphis looks kind of fat, but I only have seen you one picture. You think everybody looks fat? I sure should do. <laughs> oh, my God. Our next couple, Mike, 34, from Fields, New York, and Jimena, 24, I'm butchering that i cannot pronounce anything that starts with an x i'm gonna guess Jimena. Pereira, colombia despite his best efforts at finding love mike had been single for most of his life until he matched with Jimena, a 24 year old colombian single mother of two a year ago on an international dating app Jimena speaks no english and mike speaks only a tiny bit of spanish but that hasn't kept them from falling in love with the help of a translator app no again <laughs> They're already talking about marriage and kids. So Mike is traveling to Colombia with plans to propose and bring Jimena and her sons to the U.S. Has Mike finally found true love after years of searching? Or is Jimena more in love with the gifts and money he sends to her than Mike with Mike himself? What do we think, Asterios? Wow. Way to put your thumb on the scales there, TLC <laughs> producers. Um, this marriage will last. It will end in a divorce, but they will make it to the finish line. That is my Asterios Coconos welded in shut because there's zombies outside door of the week. Completely agree. Yeah. He's going to be like way too smitten with like having sex with this young hot girl. I assume she's hot. And uh, and uh, this girl, clearly she's got this guy like wrapped around her finger because she's already getting gifts. Yeah, and it implied that this dude has been like, he's kind of like, a, I wouldn't be surprised if he was kind of like a awkward dude. Yeah. Because it says that he has basically had no relationships in his life. Oh, that none? It, n they didn't say. It's like he'd almost given up on love because he tried for a decade. Hang on, let me reread it exactly so you can make an informed decision. Despite his best efforts at finding love, Mike had been single for most of his life oh yeah double yeah. man they're gonna get married twice and divorced twice so she can get two divorces no she the second she gets that great card she's a fucking out yeah now this is the couple that i find most interesting this is a another country i have never seen on this show ella 29 from idaho falls idaho mm. and johnny 34 from jinan china oh Oh, you're right. We haven't ever seen anyone from China. I've never seen anybody from China on here. Ella, a country girl from Idaho with a self-proclaimed obsession with Asian culture, met Johnny, who she refers to as her Asian prince, on a social media platform exclusively for Asian men and white women. Once they started video chatting, they realized they'd found their soulmates in one another. The pandemic had made it difficult for them to meet in person, probably understatement of the fucking century, considering it's in China. And China's borders remain closed, but after a year and a half and a number of false starts, they're finally preparing for Johnny to visit Ella in her hometown and get engaged. Despite having video chatted intimately over the past few months, Ella's history with rejection from past romantic interests due to her weight and her worry about what it will be like when she and Johnny are together in person. Still, they're both ready to prove that their love can conquer all if they can overcome family skepticism and pandemic barriers. All right, as serious as a, as a Chinese man, what do you what do you think about uh, Ella, Asian princess? 
of okay. Idaho Falls. Uh, this relationship is as doomed as that Chinese cryptocurrency venture, the digital yuan that you told me about once. Uh, this gets the Asterios Coconos yikes of the week. The family is going to break these two up. Uh, this dude's Chinese mom and Chinese dad are going to viciously berate and possibly physically assault this woman for like daring to fall in love with their kid. Now, to be fair, they said that Johnny is going to Idaho Falls. So now I would completely agree with you if they were going to China. Oh! Like I think the parents would be like, fat, fat, fatty, you're a fat, fatty, keep eating fatty. If I've learned anything from Chinese parents, right. that Chinese parents have very high expectations for their uh, son or daughter's marriage partner. I don't know how much interaction the parents are going to have with her. I do agree with you that the weight is going to be because she looks she looks like a big bitch like the weight is going to be a major contributor but i also think that ella is one of those fucking waves that thinks like all asian countries are the same I, I know it's like that's the interesting thing to me like i thought you know i've heard about japan boos and korea boos i've never heard of a china boo yeah no me neither I, if there I, were china boos i could have used those 20 years ago when i was young and single yeah i know it sucks who you ended up with right no you know what my chinese parents thought of you what they were like you need to get this deal done before she realizes, like, what's wrong with you, Asterios. And that's the most Chinese parent thing I could think my of. Mo- my, mom, my mom was definitely like, you do not deserve this person. You need to marry this person immediately. And I was like, I'm working on it, mom! <laughs> chop, God damn it! Chop, chop, bitch! Anyways, I got a schedule here! I got a timeline here! Anyways, yeah, I also said no. I predict that it's because uh, Ella has watched maybe one too many K-dramas or certain pretty boy uh, C-dramas, and she's imagining that... Uh, this guy's gonna have a very more, much more progressive attitude towards uh, body shapes and the women's role in society that she will not to mention his parents. The pandemic, skept- the pandemic barriers, what the fuck? Who gives a fuck about that? Like, if you manage on this site for that long, like, what's another year? But no, I'm saying no due to parents and China booism. <laughs> you know what? Knowing that it's the reverse, knowing that it's them going to America, no, this marriage is going to last. Because this guy is Chinese. And I know a thing or two about Chinese guys, being one myself. Like, he will not accept or tolerate failure. He is going to this country to marry this lady. If he comes back not having married this lady, he is going to be, like, ashamed. He will have lost face. Like... He's already in. Like, he's committed. It's too late. Side bet. Does Ella speak any Chinese or does Johnny speak English? Johnny speaks a little bit of English. Johnny will learn far more English than she will learn Chinese. That's what I was thinking. I was going to say, if Ella busts out a single sentence of Mandarin, I will fucking throw the towel in for this entire competition. Hung Yi Fa Choi. Hung Yi Fa Choi to that. And our final couple on 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days is Ben, 52, from Fraser, Michigan, and Mahogany, 24, from San Bartolo, Peru, another country we have not seen on this show. Hmm. 
When Ben, a former pastor in a strict conservative religious sect, Mm -hmm. broke free from great start already, Mm -hmm. broke free from confinement and his marriage, he struggled to find his way forward. After a bout of homelessness, he eventually found work as a model and caught Mahogany's eye after being featured in a fitness magazine. Her faithful DM led to an intense texting relationship. Bonded by their similar religious views, they fell in love and began making plans to meet in person despite a 20 year age difference Whoa, wait who's who's older who's younger take a fucking guess okay, so mahogany's older and he's younger no because he's the american I don't know. and he's the man so I, he's old as fuck I don't, but, but it's a tv show they would do a thing where he's 20 and she's 40 i mean they did that with soldier boy debbie i could bet yeah but she was the one that's like i'm an american okay that's true <laughs> Ben's friends and family see countless red flags from the significant age gap between them to the fact that they have never video chatted. <laughs> but- oh, no. What? Why haven't they video chatted? I mean, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? But Ben believes that God has brought them together and that is the path that he is meant to follow. Is their relationship divine will or is Ben blinded to the possibility that Mahogany may not be the person that she says she is? This is my Asterios Coconuts blue screen of death of the week. (laughs) This one's not going to work because they're both crazy people. They're both crazy people and they're going to be yelling at each other and screaming at each other the whole time. When two people are crazy, but they're both hot, that we can work with. If there's no video chat happening, one of these two doesn't look the way the other one wants them to look. And without that base animal passion... To like keep the relationship together, it's it's gonna fall apart like this guy's faith in God. See, uh, this one is the one that I actually, when I read it, I sat down and I really pondered. I pontificated for a very long time over this one because, on one hand, if Ben is a fitness model, that means he must be. I mean, I've seen his pictures. I don't think he's attractive, but he must be attractive to some people. Yeah. who like those muscly dudes. I think. That might give him a higher sense of confidence that like like if she starts mouthing off and shit, Mahogany starts mouthing off. I don't think that he would put up with it in a way that Big Ed would like freak out and then come crawling back later because he's a human thumb and he knows he can't do any better. Right. On the other hand... I do think that this is going to end up being a Mike and Natalie situation. Okay. Like, I think that they're going to absolutely get divorced, but Suraj is actually going to vote yes on this one, that they're still together at the end of the season. I have no shadow of a doubt in my mind that they are going to get divorced, probably due to religious differences, maybe due to Mahogany being an ago. But I think that they will stick together because Ben likes the ego tripping of dating a woman that's 30 years younger than him and he was homeless yes this lady has a home they're 90 percent of the way there that is true all right well we've we've got our picks they're locked they're in the bank you and i we're gonna we're gonna have to get together at the season finale of 90 day fiance before the 90 days see who's right who's wrong who can detect these people's mental illnesses better and how those mental illnesses might interact. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm going to take this notebook. The the You know how they put the Golden Globes like yeah. envelope in a, yeah. in a safe? Yeah. I'm going to safely put it underneath my jewelry thing over there and we're not touching it until the end of the season. All right. Let's see who let's see whose reality TV senses are sharper. We'll be right back after this with more of the loudest podcast. Psh-
We need better voicemails. You got to call 848-863-5343 or email theloudestpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me Zag- Dag Zaggles left like th- like a four-hour voicemail over three messages. Yeah, guys, your voicemails, the content was not the problem this time. The problem was I can't play a three-minute long voicemail, okay? I like that you guys are talking about Nathan Masry and crashing your car and shit, but just please, please, I'm begging you. If you are one of those people, Dag Zaggles, I'm fucking looking at you, who called in and left an excessively long voicemail voicemail try again try again give them that phone number serious yeah you call 848-863-5343 or you email a voicemail to the loudest podcast at gmail.com you can also email anything to the loudest podcast at gmail.com like for example i have right here a piece of art by listener drew atlantis a couple of uh weeks ago we said that the kind of first sona for the loudest podcast should be scrooge mcduck with a big corkscrew penis and uh Drew Atlantis delivered. This is exceptionally graphic. Oh, let me see. I'm going to get up from a chair. So apparently docs have corkscrew penises. That's what they have. And we have the we have a lovely picture of Scrooge McDuck relaxing on his bed. There's some he's very erect. What I assume an erect corkscrew penis looks like. A little bit of cum coming out of it. And Asterios and I are for some reason are on the bed with him, but we are what are we, Mouseketeers? You are Gadget from the Rescue Rangers, and I am just like a goofy. So there's like a goofy with a beard and like a little beanie on and uh, with like a flannel shirt. Oh, by the way, uh, Scrooge McDuck is holding a McRib and he's got McRib sauce on his bill and like McRib sauce is dripping all over me. Oh, wow. That's the, yeah, that's the after sex snack of champions. Uh, my feet stink, as you can see. So, wow. Thank you. So, who made this? Uh, this was Drew Atlantis at Doll Eye Drew. And yeah, the, uh, the Sriracha as Gadget, uh, her big bare feet are in frame and there are stink lights coming off the feet. Well, we did ask for this, so I can't be too mad for you. Yeah, send us your address. We'll send you some stickers. Yeah, come on, Drew. Send us your address. We'll send you some stuff. And uh, you can send stuff to us at theloudestpodcast at gmail.com. We have a bunch of gifts that I can't wait to open up uh, next week. You can send stuff to 8801 Fifth Avenue, P.O. Box 90700. Brooklyn, New York, 11209-9997. I think that's going to do it for this week's last podcast. And thank you so much for listening to my inane rambling, guys. And we will see you next week.